0: The views and opinions of the guest does not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the host, the show and the team Hey guys, what's up? This is Paula Gonzalez and welcome to the first episode of IDK What To Say. This is the podcast where we try to figure things out and learn from the best. Now, this episode is also going to be a collaboration. And I'm so excited because I I wanted to have the best first guest ever and something that is close to my heart, which is being a dentist and and I got him. And he is one of the, uh, he's uh, prominently every year, part of the 32 most influential dentists in the world. He always makes the top 10, and he is uh, a father or grandfather. He also ho- uh, owns one of the biggest networks of dentists online, which is Dentaltown, and of course, the longest running, the most popular podcast in the world of dentistry, which is going to simultaneously, simultaneously show when we post this. Let's give it up for Dr. Howard Farran. Oh, thanks for the kind words, Doc. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Howard. How are you? I'm doing great, and
1: it's just an honor to be on your show.
0: No, it's an honor for me to have you as my first guest because I really wanted to to bring dentistry into the eyes of the Philippine public, and you are the best first guest. Well, thank you so much. No worries. Now, before we start, though, I, I was looking into your Instagram profile, and there was one thing that made me laugh. So uh, my parents are from Illinois, and there is currently a blizzard, and I saw you post this one. So it's really funny because uh, you are in Arizona, and <laughs> you're the only one not worrying about shoveling or or like uh, bundling up when you go
1: out, hey? Oh my gosh. Uh, I I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in the middle of the country, Kansas, and I I moved out here to the desert because every time I watched the weather in the winter, it'd be snowy in Kansas. And then over by Phoenix, the desert would be this big old happy sunshine. So I thought I'm moving out there.
0: That's a smart move, but I do have to ask and giving context to those listening in podcast format.
1: It's a picture of a blizzard from Dairy Queen is this your go-to dessert (laughs) yes I love Dairy Queen and it's owned by um my gosh uh William uh Warren Buffett uh the richest stock investor ever who's out of Omaha where I went to school so I actually got to meet uh Warren Buffett in 1980 when he came lectured at Creighton University and uh yeah he owns Dairy Queen it's a uh, it's a very interesting business
0: that, that is so cool. Yeah, Warren Buffett is like one of the most uh, – I, I believe he's still part of the wealthiest people in, in America, if I'm
1: not mistaken. Oh, yeah, top five, definitely. And he's the only one who made it in the stock market. Oh, man. So speaking- being, you know, the Philippines, is huge. Is there anything way up in Luzon or in any area that gets snow? There is no snow here.
0: Like we're in the middle of the equator, so it's uh, sunny all the time. And yeah, if you're going to your doctor, you just have to make sure you bring your shades, your slippers, and then your uh, coolest clothes because you don't have to worry about bundling up. But it is raining uh, right now. It's like the rainy season already.
1: Oh my gosh. I'll never forget when I was in Brazil. It was raining really hard. And I asked the dentist there, I said, gosh, does does it rain like this very often? He said, it's the funniest thing I ever heard in my life. He says, well, in the winter, it rains every day. But in the summer, it rains all day. (laughs) (laughs) That that
0: is really a very ingenious way of uh, explaining things. And yeah, it's true. I I don't know if if you have an idea, but like uh, during the last uh, December, there were uh, typhoons, like pockets of typhoons happening. So it's really crazy when it rains here. But I think uh, I'm compared to... I personally like the snow, and the reason is I just visit from time to time. But my parents say if I lived there, I'm probably going to hate it too.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. The most interesting thing for me, the first time I started lecturing around the equator, you know, Hong Kong, Cambodia, um, those areas, was the fact that in uh, in Kansas, where I grew up, the satellites were almost aimed at a right angle, trying to catch the satellites going around the equator. And then you go to Hong Kong, and the satellites face straight up. And uh, I think you, uh, you know, you're at the equator just seeing where all those uh, satellite dishes, how they're aimed at the sky.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's, it's really uh, amazing that, you know, when you're in Arizona and, and when you go to Hong Kong, you already notice those subtle differences, even in, in the form of satellites and stuff. Now, doctor, um, again, this show is about figuring things out. And right now, you know, we have a lot of uh, dentists or dental students who are going through dentistry I'd love to ask you uh, what made you uh, want to go for dentistry?
1: You know that's a great question. My dad was the love of my life, and I had uh five sisters. My baby brother wasn't born till I was uh already out of the house and into college but um he delivered bread and uh, for the first 10 years of my life. And I think he made about $11,000 a year as an employee working for someone else. And he uh, saved up his money and decided he was going to open up his own uh, restaurant. And he went with a franchise because franchises have a extremely high success rate about, you know, well into the low 90s uh, percent success rate. Whereas you open up a restaurant and 40 to 60% of them are out of business in two to three years. And he first started his Circle K restaurant and, and like you would predict, it went out of business in a year. So he bought a Sonic Drive-In franchise. And uh, when I was 10 and he went from making 11000 a year to 60000 a year, and it just blew my mind. And um, I'd go to work with my dad. And by the time he got to his fifth restaurant, we moved out to the richest area in town in Wichita, Kansas, in Hidden Lakes Estates. And my neighbor was a dentist. And I started going to work with, uh, Kenny Anderson and, um, oh my God, you know, back then there were no computers or no Instagram, no smartphones. Uh, and he had this x-ray machine that would look through the tooth and then he'd do a root canal and a crown. And he'd, um, you know, he had a lab man that waxed up the full gold crown and it was just love at first sight. And that was in, um, the, uh, sixth grade. No, no. I think that was in the, uh. Um, seventh grade and um, I wrote my dental school a letter and asked him what can I do to become a dentist and um, they, she kept it and um, I it was just love at first sight I, I, I love my dad but I just didn't want to make hamburgers and hot dogs and onion rings every day the rest of my life and I saw that first x-ray and going in the dark room and developing it and uh, of course all of his assistants were gorgeous ladies and I just thought oh my god this is just the coolest thing in the world <laughs> and like Dairy Queen you know, you own your own land and building. And when I, um, you know, my dad was always telling me I should be a, a physician instead. Um, but the physicians, they always had to um, work with big groups, and they'd work in hospitals. And they they didn't own their own land, building, office. They they weren't they weren't the top dog of their destiny. And you know, they'd have to play golf on the weekends with the head doctor and go to at doctors events and all this stuff like that. And I really love the independence of being an owner operator, owning my own business, the land, the building, the the master of my own destiny. And um, it was just like, um, um, I I just loved it and uh, never looked back.
0: I mean, that is so true. Like um, everybody would want to be a doctor but if you realize it being a dentist it has a lot of perks meaning that you can own your own land you can control your own time and you are right man like the dentists are the most attractive people i have ever seen like i mean if you want to find a very beautiful woman you just uh, search for dentists uh, all around the area and and you're definitely going to see it because that's what i saw during dental school
1: and, you know, and there's another thing about it. Like if, if you look at all the governments around the world, like especially the United States, the, the, the whole government was taken over by lawyers, you know, several hundred years ago. It's basically a legal profession um, and and they're the judge, the jury and the executioner. I mean, they're lawyers. Um, They have the government, they pass all the rules, pro-lawyers and and all that kind of stuff like that. The the people that go into medicine and dentistry, they're just a totally different person. I mean, when you go to school eight years to try to get someone suffering out of pain and restore their missing front tooth because it's a cosmetic, I mean – they're just great people. I mean, I've, I've met dentists in 50 countries, and they're all the same. They're just really good people. They're concerned about your health. They're very intelligent. They're always in the top 5% of education and 5% of income in about any country you go to. And my kids picked up on this when they were little. They said, you know, whenever we go to one of your uh, friends' house and play with their kids, the dad has a library. But yeah, if not true. a dentist or a physician... They, they, they don't have any books in their house and may, maybe they have a magazine or a sports illustrated or something like that, but they're just a really neat people. And the other thing that really captured my attention is when you work at Sonic and you make hamburgers on your Eastern French fries, all the intellectual wondering is about how to increase your business. Whereas when you go into dentistry, you know, to make the hamburger, the hot dog, the root canal, the crown, the filling, I, I realized about one year out of school that, you know, You're never, ever going to learn all this. You're never going to understand. Oh, there it is. Look at what you got to drive in. That is so cool. Um, But yeah, you can figure out the whole sonic drive-in business in your career. I mean, if if you spent a career, 30, 40 years in the restaurant business, you'd really understand it all. And you have to realize that in dentistry, the day you die... You probably did not understand ninety percent of how that body works, and and the, you know all the diseases, and the bacteria, and the fungi, and cancer, and it, it's just a it, it's something that you can donate your entire life existence to, and still um, leave her scratching your head. Thing, I, I wonder what that's all about. I mean, I I, I seriously think um, that the pyramids were five thousand years ago. Um, Pythagoras um, putting it on paper was 2,500 years ago, and I think the um, I I, I think the pyramids. I I think it'll be 5,000 more years before humans totally understand dentistry from A to Z at the cellular level, the atomic level. It's a very interesting profession.
0: It's it's definitely true. Um, You did say it, like dentistry. You figure things out. Every single year, because the thing you probably learn in school could probably change once you're already practicing. And another thing that I love with dentistry is that you get to have this personal connection with the patients you have. Because I'm sure you, doctor, you had a patient where you know he had a kid, then you saw the kid grow up until the kid became your patient, and that kid had. Kids of his own, and it's really heartwarming to know that you you kind of get to be a part of that their own family as as you see the kids grow up and everyone mature as
1: well. And, and that is also why I resisted um, setting up a, a chain of dental offices where all the dentists were employees and working for me and all that kind of stuff because I always considered, you know, in um, in Sonic, the product is a hamburger. But in dentistry, the product is the dentist and it's a dentist patient relationship. And I knew, uh, you know, a chain of dental could help you with things like, you know, um, location and equipment and lab and supplies and all this kind of stuff. But the whole success of the operation still comes down to the doctor patient relationship. And I just never felt comfortable or saw a way to make that doctor patient relationship a commodity and then trying to get everybody to diagnose the same way and sell dentistry and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I just never saw it like that. Um, I, I, I always thought, you know, we're selling the invisible. When I sell you an iPhone or a doctor or a can of Coke, you know exactly what an iPhone is. You know exactly what a can of Coke is. But when I look you in the eyes and say, uh, Paolo, you, you have four cavities, I mean, you, you have to trust me. You, you don't know what four cavities are. You don't know if they're watches, if they, if they should be a filling or a crown or a root canal. And that doctor-patient-trust relationship is very sacred, and I I think it's a very sovereign profession. I, I don't see dentistry as a commodity where it's owned by Wall Street, and all the dentists go to school eight years. They all become employees, and they start marching like robots uh, to whatever the the leader says. I, I I just I just don't see it that way. I, I may be old school, um, but I, I I never saw it that way.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree in this, and that is true. You know, especially with you, Doctor Howard. You know, you ha- you are one of the most uh, popular dentists in in all of social media. And if you release a chain of dental clinics with your name on it, you know, business is going to be good. But at the end of the day, you would think you know would Would the quality be the same in terms of like how the dentist working there would connect with the patients the same way you do? And I see how uh, perfectionist you are when it comes to that. Because at the end of the day, it's always a personal relationship because everybody is so focused on being the best dentist when in fact you just need to be the best dentist for the patient you are talking to at the moment.
1: And even the lawyers agree that, um, you know, they, you know, uh, in all crimes, I'm innocent till proven guilty, but in healthcare, the asymmetry of the relationship is so great. All the courts over a century ago in the United States said that you are acting, the asymmetry of the information is so great that you, the dentist are acting as an agent of, for this patient and you will be presumed guilty on your treatment plan to approve an innocent, your work, your diagnosis, your x-rays. So, so even the courts have figured out that, you know, when someone comes in and I say, you have four cavities and you say, okay, and you trust me. And I start doing four fillings and you didn't have any cavities. I mean, I mean, you're, you're an agent working on behalf of that patient. And I just um get really, um, you know, when, you know, I turned 59 this year. So my four boys are now independent and they've created, six independent, uh, six dependent, uh, grandchildren. And, um, I start looking at, you know, when my, when I pass on and my grandchildren go to the dentist someday, I, um, I, I if it's owned by wall street or if it's owned by an insurance company and they're dictating what's how my grandchildren are going to be treated, then where is my grandchild going to go when they need a dentist? And, yeah. um, I, I, I think dental offices, um, should be owned by dentists. And I think that'd be one, Easy um, solution is that nobody is at the top. Nobody is a CEO. Nobody's making decisions on dentistry unless they're at first a dentist. And you see it in engineering companies. When you look at some of the greatest companies ever created, like um, um, Hewlett Packard, I mean Hewlett and Packard, they they both had PhDs. They both, you know, it was it was engineering first, and when they got really really big. Um, um, Dave Hewlett and those guys and or Dave Packard, you know, they are, they had the same size cubicle as all the engineers because if when the cubicle when it got too loud and they needed a private office, they were like, well, hey, all the other engineers don't get a private office, so we we got to make a solution so that all the engineers um, are treated equally and have the same, uh, you know, they they just got to know where it's all coming from. And I um I, I want my grandchildren to go to a dentist that has their, um, their interest is top priority, their, their safety, their health is their top concern, not how much net income are they going to spin off on their stock to wall street or, uh, what their sales goals are, things like that. You know, it's, um, it's uh, it's it's a tricky situation, kind kind of like religion. When you you notice when religion um, when an individual church gets too big and they're on TV, people are wondering, you know, like televangelism. You know, is this a religion or is this a business? And and you start getting into murky water. And I think dentistry has a lot of qualities of religion, um, and um, and, and a lot of qualities of business. And, and it makes sense to do. Um, you should apply everything we've learned in. 200 years of economics since Adam Smith wrote The Wealth of Nations, you should take 200 years of science and apply it to the science of your business like a Dairy Queen or a Sonic. Um, But it's still um, a sacred sovereign profession at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, I hear you. Now, I do have to ask you a question regarding your grandkids. Are are you telling me you are not the one uh, providing dental treatment to your grandkids?
1: Well, the, the two that live in Arizona, they're just, uh, one's one, no, no one's two, and one's uh, six months. And the uh, the the four kids that do go to the dentist, uh, they are um, they live a thousand miles away in Texas, and uh, but they go to a very good friend of mine, uh, Dr. Tim Rainey, who um, used to teach me when I got out of school. I used to go to Refurio, Texas to go to his courses. And now it's so romantic that now, not only is he the dentist for four of my grandchildren, but- Oh my gosh, he, he took my son on like a son, and um, he's just uh he's he's just a, the greatest long distance grandfather I could ever ask for.
0: Yeah, definitely, and that's also another thing about dentistry that I enjoy. You know, the, the, your classmates or your colleagues or your teachers, you form this bond wherein it's so tight knit because of what you experienced during dental school that you already trust your family to them and you know that they're going to take care of them the same way uh, you took care of each other when if you are classmates or if you were a teacher student in, in terms of uh, the relationship you know
1: and and, and that dental school what, what you just said was very profound you know um, I, I have after 32 years of watching Dennis I think the dentists that are in group practice are happier. I mean, it's uh it's not very fun to go from like when I graduated in dental school, was 120 kids in the class and, you know, four, almost 500 in the whole school. And then you go and you're all alone. I, I only practice alone for about eight or nine months before I got my first associate because that, that, that doctor relationship is so fun and, and. Also, there's a lot of weird things. like You could you could be looking for an MB2 for 30 minutes and finally just throw in the towel and give up and then go back and tell your your buddy. And then he's got fresh eyes, so he hasn't looked at it at all. And he just goes down, looks at it, takes the six file and drops it right in the MB2. The exactly.
0: Exactly. same thing with
1: the tooth out. You know, you got this root tip and you can't get it. And I just love group practice. An extra set of eyes and hands. Um, and, and then for second opinions, when I would um, – what what I would always do is the second opinion now you're a registered nurse. I mean, that that's amazing. And that that's a four-year degree, just like a dental hygienist. I used to, you know, it's all about trust selling the invisible. So I always had the hygienist when they took x-rays to diagnose them as they're taking them, educate to the patient, get extra set of eyes and hands. And then when I would come in the room, of course, I would do my exams. And if she said there was a cavity on number three and I didn't see it, and then she tells me the difference, I would always back up and I would um, call for another hygienist or another dentist. And and when they walked in the room, we would not tell them what we found. We said, okay, we got a tie here. Do you see anything on number three? And they would look at the x-rays and they'd say, yeah, there's a cavity right there. So the patient was involved in the process and, and, um, You know, you get a second opinion right there or a third opinion right there on the spot. I thought it was very uh, um, interesting.
0: Yeah, definitely. Especially if if the group practice or people you worked with uh, during college, you kind of already know your strengths and weaknesses And it's really fun. I'm currently doing a private practice in my clinic right now. But when before the pandemic hit, I was doing group practice in in other dental clinics. I was switching back and forth. And it's really nice if you get a second set of eyes to see things because eye fatigue is real. Like If you have continuous patients, sometimes you get to miss some stuff that you already see. and, And a set of fresh eyes is definitely helpful.
1: Absolutely.
0: Now, I do have to ask you, doctor. Um, it, again, this is about uh, – I'd love to hear your thoughts about dental school. Uh, could you share with us, uh, like, your initial experience going into it? Was it everything you dreamed of or, or like, did you realize that, hey, there's something different on how I pictured it in my mind?
1: Um. You know, I, I, I went – to You know, when I was um, on my journey, I, I developed a close friendship with all the dentists on the west side of Wichita. I was always going in and out of their offices. Um, when I went to dental school and when you lecture dental schools around the world, at least a quarter of the class um, has a, um, a, a parent, an uncle, a cousin. Someone in the family is a dentist. It seems to be a very family oriented business and um, so I, I, I really felt I knew it well. Um, the things I didn't see coming were all the changes. Like, um, you know, when I got out of dental school, I didn't own a computer. And then the practice management system all went from paper charge to digital. Um, my gosh, uh, the x ray machine. I thought the greatest advancement of the uh, Pano machine was when they changed the software so that the Pano would have an R on one side and an L on the other. I thought that was just like yeah. the. Thing that ever happened in radiography. Uh, but then they came out with a CBCT, um, the technology, um, lasers. Now, lasers, I wrote a very controversial article that lasers laser stands for, uh, does it stand for light amplification, simulation, emission of radiation, or losing all savings equal reality. I've always felt lasers, um, you know, the first 10 years, it was a $50,000 machine looking for a job that really um, didn't uh, cash flow. Uh, but then the lasers fell down, in price to like, you know, you can get a great uh, soft tissue laser for $2,500. So the technology keeps changing. The materials keep changing. You know, um, when I was in school, it was still a full gold crown and an amalgam. And then the market switched to where they um, they wanted tooth colored fillings. I never understood that because women decorate their whole body with silver and gold and wedding rings and earrings and nose rings and bracelets. But they decided they um, they didn't want any of that in their their mouth. Uh, where, where I lived in the United States, I know it's different around the world, um, Africa, they they love gold fillings and gold in their teeth and in africa i I watched a girl come in and get a um a gold filling on her tooth that wasn't even a fill, there wasn't even a cavity there she just wanted there for looks but in my market um they um you know they they didn't want to do that so um but that a whole cosmetic revolution came from the adhesive technology revolution you know bob Ibsen wrote a book uh, adhesive dentistry and then started a company in uh, santa maria california called Denmap for dental materials and it was that adhesion that kicked off this whole cosmetic revolution and then there was an i.t revolution that kicked off um, digital practice management, digital x-rays, digital everything and um, and so um, you know so the the technology that's around the corner and I, and I got to tell you um, when I got to school in 87, I mean I got out of school in 87, started dental town in 99 Facebook didn't come out till 2004 so I can assure you that our young kids like yourself um, in the next 20 years, there will be technologies that consume a major part of your life that haven't even been invented yet and so you just got to kind of be ready and that that's where i uh, felt being classically trained in business and getting my mba it really helped me to spot trends because if you look at the stock market from like 1850 when they started wall street under a tree uh to today all the major activities and gains were all technology based. You know, first it was the telegraph, then the telephone, then the car, the steamship. The whole thing was kicked off by the uh, combustion engine. Uh, which at first was only used in the UK to pump um, water out of flooded coal mines. Um, But um, as time goes by, every technology gets faster, easier, higher quality, lower price, and smaller. And finally, those combustion engines, those steam engines got so small, they would fit on a ship. And that opened up shipping. Then you got to the other side in the Americas, they started canals. So what you need to classically train yourself on is, is being spotting technologies, um, you got to remember when, when um, I, when the internet came out, it was AOL. And yeah. when I decided I wanted to talk to other dentists and be able to share an x-ray, a picture, and I just wanted to talk to my homies, um, nobody, not a single person agreed that it was a good idea. But selfishly for myself, I knew the importance for me of being able to post an X-ray and a photo and saying, hey, do you see two cavities or three or do you know what's wrong with your root canal? So, so um, the people who jump first on a new technology always make – it's always a game changer. So, you know, when you're looking at a technology like nobody – You don't know anybody who thinks they should go back and rev up the old telegraph or the telephone lines or the steam engine. So just keep looking at those new technologies. And when you see a new technology and you can see how it would change your life, regardless of no one else gets it or sees it or understands it or anything like that, that that's where you got, you got to move, uh, just on uh, jump on what's new jump, jump on the automobile. The minute you see Henry Ford roll out that model T, you know, the horse and buggy is going to contract and that automobile is going to expand. And right now, um, when I got out of school, um, to today, I would say, my average technique on how I do a root canal filling crown, whatever, probably only has a half-life of five years. And uh, like, look at Indo now, now there's uh, all kinds of technologies where once you've uh, found all the canals and worked it up to a 20, you can hook it up to a device that will clean out those canals. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And of course the first one's going to be like, you know, $80,000 and be real expensive, but give it a little time and it becomes faster higher quality, easier, but lower cost and smaller. Um, my gosh, the first intro camera I had was about the size of a refrigerator. It's called a Fuji cam and oh, it was yeah. $500 sold by Patterson. And now you can get a, you know, an intro camera for 2,500. Um, but um, just, just, just keep an eye on technology because that's what at the end of the day increases our productivity and makes us be able to um, provide more dentistry for a lower price to more people. And I always thought the mission of the the dentist was keep one eye on the patient and one eye on costs and then use your brain to drive down costs until everybody in the Philippines has the freedom to afford uh to keep their teeth. And by the way, I want to ask you that are, are there actually I mean the the Philippines is um one of the largest archipelagos in the world. I mean 7641 islands do all of those islands have people at a dentist or is it just the 80, 20 rule or.
0: I mean, uh, as uh, with regards to the Philippines, you know, there are a lot of uh, mountains here. So it's really given that it's mostly people in the city or in like the areas where, you know, there are uh, like, there are buildings and stuff where dentist is very accessible. I know places and, and from time to time, uh, you know we go do this community outreach program and we go to places where you know dental treatment is not accessible and we give them the dental service that we can based on what we could carry because there is literally uh, sometimes we have to like put on our backpacks the the dental materials that we have to use like we can't use an ultrasonic when cleaning we have to go old school with that and sometimes the people from that area, you know, they're uh, based on their culture, they have already uh, like acclimated themselves to what they used to know. Like sometimes they they would rather brush their teeth with uh, twigs instead of uh, toothbrushes because that's how they were raised, and that's uh, that. Those are the stuff that they knew from their ancestors. And sometimes, you know, they, they don't believe in toothbrushes. I remember I, I went into, uh, I think it's Zambales, and it's um, it's a tribe of people where I brought, I'm like the only dentist there. I brought some dental uh, toothpaste and some toothbrush. But then one of the chieftain was talking to me and saying, I mean, why should I use that if I, I'm just using this twig, which is cheaper, It's not made of plastic. And I just need to bite on this leaf to alleviate pain. And and I had to explain that, you know, in the long run, the technology that we have right now, even in a simple toothbrush, is far better than what they are using. And uh, you know, they it's something that you have to explain in a way that you also don't disrespect their culture because at the end of the day, I mean I, I was the visitor visiting, and I just wanted to teach them of what I know, but you still have to find that, like that compromise between you and them. Well put. Yeah, and yeah, I would go back to what you say. You know, One thing about dentistry is that you know new, uh, new information and new technology comes from time to time. And as a dentist, you have to um, be very vigilant in order to know that if this trend is legit or is it it's going to blow up and at the same time you have to make sure that uh the price range would be affordable to your patients because like you said um when braces was a thing uh was new in the philippines it's very expensive but right now um braces like if people would install braces here it's just it They had to, we had to go low into $70 just to install a brace because of all the fashion braces that are coming out. And I, I do remember you posted one on LinkedIn where you said that, uh, fashion braces are also happening in, in Atlanta.
1: Right. Um, you know, that is, you know, dentistry is, you know, it's a two century old profession starting with, you know, Pierre Fouchard in Paris, France. Um, a barber surgeon that said, let's make this a, uh, a, a specialty of medicine. A lot of people think orthodontics is a specialty. Um, dentistry is a specialty of medicine, and orthodontics is a subspecialty of dentistry. And it's a very old, mature profession and that pretty much goes up just maybe a percent or two um, higher growth than the uh, GDP growth of a country, except for two areas, and that is Clear liners like Invisalign started that revolution and uh, implants. And I do think that um, the dentists, the young dentists of today who are going to be practicing for two or three decades are going to find that um, the highest return on investment of their time and money in their practice will be in clear liners or implants. So you're either going to be a blood and guts guy. And I can usually tell after I see your first root canal, the uh, blood and guts dentists, you know, they like to, uh, they're apical barbarians. They like to get all the way to the apex. They want to puff a sealer out the apex and they love extractions and blood and implants. Uh, but the pulp lovers, the ones that can do a whole root canal without violating the last half millimeter of the canal, you um, uh, they like bleaching, bond, bonding, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, my gosh, I, I like I say, I've, I've lectured in 50 countries, and uh, I'm, I'm telling you that um, Invisalign, it, it, anywhere you go, any country you go, the minute they find out you're a dentist, the first question they're going to ask you about is Invisalign because the only goal of a species, I mean, your only job was to reproduce an offspring. I mean, humans have been living for 200,000 years and all the people that lived before us are the only reason we're alive today. That's why I, I don't really think it's a great idea to go to graveyards and cemeteries and yell at all the dead people for everything they did wrong when, when we're all sitting here alive. I mean, okay, they weren't perfect, either are you. Um, but um, my gosh, um, um, braces make you look pretty as a peacock and their whole goal is to look pretty enough to attract a mate to mix some gametes with and make a baby to reproduce and replace themselves so i think and, and it's also that is the major driver of implants when you really look closely at implants um, it's not replacing former function so they can eat and chew and eat their food better. It's because they got a missing bicuspid and there's a blank space there. And that, that doesn't make them look as pretty as a peacock. So, um, and you can also tell the income of a country because when you go to more poor countries, the men, they don't even try. I mean, they're barely <laughs> missing half their teeth, but you can see their wife in a, um, in a more, um, poor country. And she has got all crowns, uh, you know, their upper canine to canine, lower canine to canine. From the front on, she's got these beautiful white porcelain teeth. And again, she has no back teeth. She doesn't have partials. She doesn't need them. So dentistry is very, very psychological. You know, you could have a bad kidney, a bad liver, and nobody knows it, but you're missing your front tooth. Um, Everybody sees it. So the, the cosmetic part of dentistry, medicine because everything we do is so visible but I think a lot of dentists get obsessed with uh, form and function and occlusion and all this kind of thing like that they don't realize that's not the drivers of why they're giving you money because like, like out here in Arizona I, I, I can't tell you how many patients I have that have no teeth don't wear their dentures and are fifty pounds overweight, so they, they don't have a problem eating and chewing food. Uh, they're just doing it um, for self esteem and to look as pretty as a pe- peacock. Yeah, definitely. You know,
0: uh, like I said, it's it's really a case to case basis, and and mostly it's what uh, people are more focused on what is visible, on what other people would would see to them. Um, with regards to new technology, that's one thing that I would want to commend you on when it comes to Dental Town. And for those who are not aware, Dentaltown is one of the largest dental community in the whole world. And it's because I believe you are one of the first to incorporate podcast, which is like a new form of media when it comes to learning. Because uh, it's very easy to listen to podcasts when you're on your way to work, when you're exercising. It's very digestible. What what made you decide to uh, to uh, challenge or to like Test out this new platform.
1: Um, you know, I've always tried to make a platform for leveling uh, the masses. You know, when I when I grew up, there was only three news stations. You know, ABC, CBS, NBC, and um, the the common man didn't have a news platform to share their own view. And I, I just love the fact where you, whenever you can create a platform where the average working man. Um, can tell you what he thinks. And by the way, the social media, it's getting a lot of um, negativity about um, a lot of people don't like what people are saying on social media and things like that. Well compare that to the first 200,000 years of humans. We don't know one of their names. They don't know one thing they thought. We don't know we, we don't we don't even know their name. And so right now you see, A lot of people are thinking uh, things that are maybe um, politically incorrect or maybe they're violent or maybe they're bad. And so people want to blame it on the platform and take the platform away or or make it so they can't post on social media. Well, I'm I'm a dentist. I need I need a complete exam. I need x-rays and models and an exam. I would much rather know um, what you think then then, um, then, go back to the first 200,000 years where I don't have an idea what you think. So I think giving a platform where, say, the status quo, say, the top leaders of the profession, they're all saying, hey, everybody's got to go right, and you're an individual, and you're saying, oh, I, I want to go left. Um, I like the conversation, but the reason I started the uh, podcast, uh, I wasn't the first. I just kept getting asked to come on the show. And then they would always say to me um, this is about I think uh, we're in our fifth year and um, people would say, well, you know, the hardest problem is getting people to talk on the show. And and I agree with that. If you look at social media on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all social media is consistently the same where one percent or like you, where they'll start a conversation and they'll post original content. Then the next 9% only reply like, yes, no, LOL, whatever. And 90% are still invisible. So I just think this is one more format where um, I can get, you know, a teacher to come on the show that they're not on Facebook, they don't post, they're not on social media, uh, but I've met them, I I know them, I we have a common friend and I say, "Okay, you're not that type of social media person, you don't wake up every day and check your social media, but you'll come on the show and talk for an hour." And and I always um do a, like a longer format because you know, if you want a 10-minute podcast, well just listen to the first 10 minutes. Uh, if you want a 20-minute one, listen to the next 10. Um, but if you want to go deep, and um, so if the guest is on the show and it's something you're really interested in, um, by by the way, we were talking about um, cosmetic dentistry, uh, Manny Pacquiao. At Manny Pacquiao? Did I say it right? That, Manny Pacquiao. That- Manny Pacquiao. Pacquiao, Manny Pacquiao. Pacquiao. Yep. Manny Pacquiao uh, I'll just call him Pac Man since I'm uh, sure not very good at um, uh, language. Um, my God, he's got gorgeous teeth! What a perfect set of teeth that man has. Um, he, he could he could probably be the president just with that smile alone. <laughs> so uh, he's uh, um, cosmetic dentistry is everything. And like say, if you're looking at Manny right now. And say he had a a broken wrist or say he had an injury or say, um, you know, all the MDs would be working on something that's not really visible. But my gosh, if you were his dentist and uh, that front tooth uh, didn't match or or something like that, everybody sees it. And um, so it's right up there in front. And I also think it's very interesting that with um, everybody's figuring out how important teeth are, because when you wear a mask, you start realizing that you don't really communicate a lot with just the eyes. I mean, maybe they can wink or you can tell they're smiling or whatever, but the mouth, the reading, the lips, the smile, um, just just look at uh, the, the, the picture you had, Manny. Look, look at everything that would be covered up with a mask. And I, I think the mask is driving home the point more now than ever about how important a smile is because they didn't really think about it that much until you took it away from everyone. By the way, how's um, COVID-19 doing in the Philippines um, now?
0: Well, uh, with regards to COVID-19, it's uh, pretty much the same. Vaccines were, I mean, as of this recording, vaccines were supposed to come, but we're still waiting for it. And I mean, everything is starting to open up, but uh, yeah, I think we still need that vaccine. And speaking of mask, uh, for everyone who is uh, listening on the podcast, you mentioned uh, this kind of mask, which is a mask with Manny Pacquiao smile. It became popular during last year because, you know, people needed to wear a mask going out. And this is an actual product in the Philippines. So... Uh, That's one of the more popular ones. But yeah, with regards to COVID, you know, I really hope the vaccine comes because it's really hard to control it in a situation that, you know, you're already thinking that the businesses are down. But at the same time, you you need to make sure everyone is safe, and we don't want to compromise the safety of the people, and especially the frontliners or the health workers, because you know they they are the one when uh, uh, taking the bulk of, of what's happening.
1: Yeah, and I, I want to say something else. Uh, being an older guy is that um you know um, United States has had flu vaccines, uh, the whole world has for for decades, and. The most effective flu vaccine ever made was 44%. And right now, the um, the least effective uh, coronavirus vaccine, uh, the AstraZeneca, is 70%. And um, I just never saw this coming because I was thinking of the ways they used to make vaccines and attenuated vaccines and get the virus and try to kill it and blah, blah, blah. But this new MR, messenger RNA vaccine, is mind blowing. I mean, um, um Israel just uh, released a study that showed that if you had the vaccine, it reduced the chance of death 98 and a half percent. So wow. this, um, and, and then, and now they're saying their next targeted vaccine, uh, will be for the HIV, the, the AIDS. And, um, That's that cool. was, that was what got us so ready for this Corona vaccine. I remember I was back in uh, college when, the AIDS epidemic broke out. The dentist didn't wear masks. They didn't wear gloves. They didn't do any of this stuff. And it was, they, they met a lot of resistance telling dentists, you got to wear gloves. You got to wear a mask and you got to get rid of your custodors. You got to quit having water come in from the street and have your own bottle of um, water controlled in the office. So the um, HIV epidemic, which went on to kill 36 million people, um, I, I think it, we're going to see that probably. Um, uh, I mean, they, they, they did this coronavirus in a year, and now the those same teams are saying they could do HIV and other diseases, so um, I would just get any vaccine. I mean, Russia makes one, China makes one. There's a lot of companies, a lot of countries making a vaccine, and again, when people say, well, it might not be as good as another one, well, every one of them is is almost twice as good as the best flu vaccine we've ever had. And if you just get some type of, um, um, of your population um, immunized and, and you give your body some chance of resistance. I, I think this will all be behind us probably by the end of this year.
0: Yeah, hopefully, and that's the thing that I, I want people to know about these vaccines because I don't know if it's uh, rampant in your area, but in my area, some of my uh, people, uh, some of my countrymen here, they are on defense and taking it because uh, again, it's it's something new, and there are a lot of reports that says there are harmful effects when they don't focus on the the actual studies. And I just feel that once someone starts having the vaccine and and everyone, it's, it's going to create, you know, it's going to give confidence for everyone to start going for it. Um, have you uh, already signed up for a vaccine in, in your area?
1: Yeah, I, I got, um, I've had both doses 21 days apart. Um, I think, um, um, I think it was, uh, I got it in January, the first shot and February the other. But, you know, that applies to dentistry too, because humans are, are you're either going to spend your life being data driven are stories driven stories that your mama told you when you were little and and where you were born is going to determine um, your language your religion your politics your food your every, everything about you is almost all described if you just tell me when and where on this planet earth you were born and um like in, in america uh at least a quarter of americans are not going to get this vaccine, uh, but they'll all get on the highways. This morning when I was driving in, I thought I was going to be late for the podcast. I thought it'd just be a quick little drive. And there was a wreck and I was almost late. I mean, I got here at the last minute and the the interstates kill 36,000 people a year. And all these people that are afraid of this very rare side effect Um, are going to get in the car and drive on interstates at 65 miles an hour, uh, but they don't want to take a vaccine. And it's the same thing in dentistry. Look at dentistry. We opened the show talking about how my dad opened up his first restaurant, the Circle K restaurant in Kingman, Arizona. It went bankrupt in one year. You know, 40 to 60% of all um, new restaurants go business in the first one to five years. Um, Look at dentistry. The only reason a dental office goes bankrupt in America Almost every single time is the dentist had their license taken away because of alcohol, drugs, the police, something went uh, incredibly wrong and their are licensing with it. They have almost no chance of bankruptcy, but they say, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to go work for a clinic because I'm afraid if I open up my own office, I won't make it. And to me, that's the same rationales and anti It's Like, okay, so you have like a 1% chance. And, and then furthermore, if you do get your license taken away, the younger the better because if it's alcohol which is like 85% of the time that your dental license is taken away it's a problem with alcohol the next 10 or 15% is going to be hydrocodone or some other drug or or violence or whatever Uh, but it's mostly alcohol Well, I would rather you find out that you're an alcoholic when you're 20 and get treatment and then the dental boards have a program you got to pee in a cup for 5 years and I'd rather you solve your alcoholism at 25 than at 65 or 75 or have it kill you or, or you kill someone else. So, so this deal that dentistry is as competitive as a restaurant, I, I assure you, you're, you're in the Philippines. Anybody could open up a restaurant, a dry cleaner, um, um, I- any type of small business. But to be a doctor of dental surgery in the Philippines, you're going to have to go to school for a very long time. That's called your economic barrier to entry. Just like I could I could start, I could get some gasoline and a generator and start selling electricity out of my backyard to my neighbor but if i was going to build a nuclear power plant that's usually a 10 billion dollar 10-year investment that's what you you say is an economic barrier well dentistry has an economic barrier to entry of, of several years of of college and dental school and, and it, it, it the economic barrier to entry is so high that the only person that's going to take your license away is yourself and a can of cerveza And um, um, so, um, again, I I see it as a vaccine risk. I don't think humans analyze risk uh, very well every day. I'll give you one more example. In the United States, when a thousand people were dying per day, uh, most Americans, I'd say uh, well over half, I'd say 55, 60 percent uh we're not taking it serious, including almost everyone in my family. I mean my four boys, my my eighty-two year old mother, uh, you know, they they they, they were um, um not not concerned but if two er- jumbo jet airplaneers with 500 people in each plane were crashing into each other and all 1000 were falling to the ground dying i every american would have shut down every airport they would have grounded all the airplanes so risk is very interesting when a thousand people die each day and you don't know any of them you, you don't you don't even you know half the people don't even care but if you can see on the tv Two big jumbo jets falling out of the sky and a thousand people died. Oh, it would have been a totally different risk. So what I tell Dennis is, um, you know, show me the evidence. Uh, I got out of, I graduated May seventh. And had my dental office open September 21st and the average kids today, they come out of school and they go from job to job to job for about five years before they finally get so sick and tired of working for someone else because they don't agree with everything they do before they open up their own practice. And I, I I just think you, I, I just don't think you need to analyze it for five years. And if it's a really good idea, to go be a job somewhere else, then you should go to that company and you should find a bunch of dentists in there that have been working there since they opened, but that's not what I find. I go to any of these big old chains of dentistry and every dentist that's in there just graduated a year or two ago and nobody, it just seems like almost no one stays in one of those situations um, longer than they have to. I mean, um, you, you almost never see anyone that's been in there five years. Now, I think that's going to have to, that's obviously going to change because it's really going to affect the the dental business If they can't, if you can't keep your dentist, how are you going to keep your patient? So to reduce patient turnover, you have to reduce staff turnover. And, um, and they're doing a lot of things that are uh, crazy, like uh, the, the use of temps. Uh, they found out that a temporary dental assistant is a lot less expensive than a full-time employee with taxes and benefits. But you get some dentist that's afraid of, uh, uh, hasn't done many molar indos. Maybe they've only done five in their life, and they're driving into work, and they're really nervous or going to do this molar endo, and they, they hope it's going to go through. Then they walk in there. And it's a temporary assistant they've never met in their life. So, and and a lot of times that's the last straw where they just say, you know what, forget it. I'm I'm going to go build a team because um, it's just like uh, soccer. I mean, um, you you look at these guys that just put in these killer shots and make the goal. And they were fed that shot uh, by someone else who bumped them, you know, put the ball right in the right place so they could kick it in. But if that, but if but you need to play with that teammate for years to get that good and having um, a revolving door with your assistants, your managers, you know, it just doesn't work for anyone.
0: Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. Especially, you know, you, you got to find the perfect fit, but at the same time, you also need to do the work because like you have to like earn your stripes, do the hard work and, and realize that it's really not going to be easy in the beginning. You're going to have some, blunders here and there. But like the cool thing about it, especially with what you've done with Dentaltown, you already uh, put all the dentists into one platform safely where I, if I have a problem with a case, I can post it there. And I'll be confident enough to know that the people who would see my case or, or what I would be typing would just be co-dentists and not patients. Because I think the last thing you would want on social media to happen is is you post something and, and it, patients read it because, you know, they're going to have different opinions on how they would see you and how they would uh, interpret the case that, that you're currently working on.
1: And that is, uh, so well, um, that, that is a great observation. The one thing about, you know, on all the other social media platforms, um, patients can see all this stuff. Um, but it's also set up LIFO last in first out. It's just a, what well, we did what I, I use the message board format because that's what NASA uses. That's what the, um. All the, all the high-tech places that I've ever been in my life, they use a message board format because every post is archived. So let's say you broke a file off an MB2. Well, I can't go to your Facebook page and just keep scrolling exactly. back until I find a broken MB2 case. But if I went into Dentaltown, in fact, I'll do it right now, and I just go to the uh, message board, and I just type in a MB2, uh, MB2, um, it's going to it's gonna pull up... Um, it's just pulled up 1,196 MB2 cases, and you can sort them by first, last, whatever. But what happens is they're all cases, so it, it kind of determines an FAQ. And sometimes nobody's added to this case and it takes maybe years before someone came along and say, "Well, what about this or what about that?" And um, so it's really um, the the fact that every single post is archived and separated into fifty categories of you know root canals, fillings, crowns, what have you. Um, it, and the fact that you can only join, uh, if you work full time in dentistry, uh, that's about 80% dentists, 10% specialists and 10%, um, uh, support, but it's all archived. Um, and your patients can't go on it. Uh, the media can't go on it. Journalists can't go on it. Um, it, it's a private neighborhood. Um, and some people will say, um, that, you know, um, I mean, it's just it's just archived. It's just the FAQ. I, I think it's a very interesting way to transfer knowledge uh, from the old generation to the new generation. And by the way, that's the only value of knowledge. I mean, they built the pyramids, but they failed to write down how they did it. We still don't know. And then yeah, twenty five right. years late, twenty five hundred years later, around the the lake there, the Greeks, Pythagoras started uh, putting down this obviously obviously a new geometry. And they started putting it down to paper and the only value of knowledge is if it's transferable and i think dentaltown is it's all archived it's really hard for a young dentist to come out of school and have a question that nobody's asked so most people just search the message board and then they'll find out this question's already been discussed here's all the answers and it's just a great archive definitely and,
0: and another cool thing that you've done you're always trying to make it easy for everyone it's available on google uh, play for android and ios or for in the apple store for ios and that's really a cool thing cuz everybody's bringing phone right now if you're in a clinic and you don't have access to your laptop you could easily check it out and another thing you also still kept the for the old school people a magazine version of it and there's this article you wrote uh during this month and this is something that really interested me a lot it's about uh dental economic uh, economy conservation and and it's about like living within your means i'd love to hear your thoughts uh, regarding this
1: um thanks for that um i i've had a column once a month and let me tell you why i have a monthly column is because When I got out of school, I would write, I got published by the journal, the American Dental Association four times. And every time it came out, it looked like someone else wrote it. I mean, I'm reading this and they, they took out all the controversial, colorful, crazy things I would say. And um, and they, I would say, well, you took out this. They'd say, well, Howard, you can't say that. You can't say this. And that's why I call my podcast Dentistry Uncensored. And the I realized the only way I could talk on a magazine, the same way I would talk to you if we were on the beach fishing, um, was to have my own magazine. And um, I I started my own magazine in 1994. And I want real editorial from real dentists in the trenches. And if they say something that's not politically correct, or you're not supposed to say, I mean, this is truly what this dentist is thinking. So we should start there. Uh, that's your that's your examination, X-rays. That that's your exam. But um, as far as the um as far as the money, um, the bizarre thing about dentists, physicians, and lawyers is they always live above their means. And you you go, you go see a dentist, and you say like vacation, you just go to the lake and fish with a case of beer. Oh no, they get an airplane, they fly to Hawaii, they go on a cruise. Um, what about your car? Do you just drive a Toyota? Oh no, it's always a Lexus, a Range Rover, a Mercedes Benz. Uh, what about your wife's diamond? Is it one of those little quarter quarter, uh, carat rock thing. Oh no, it's a three carat. I mean, it's every single category. And that's what plays with, with burnout and depression is that when you realize that your lifestyle, that you got to go to work Monday through Friday, and you got to keep up a really good pace and you got to run a marathon every single day, five days a week, because you, you know, your house on a 30 year payment, your is on a five year payment. When the car, when you make your last car payment, you get a new car and, and it just never stops and it burns out. And I, I see this and this sounds, um, this sounds kind of nationalist or racist or whatever, but um, it's a disease that you get when you're born in America because it's only the dentists who were not born in the United States of America or Canada that come to this country from Africa, South America or Asia, or they will come out of school $400,000 in debt. They will work six days a week, you know, seven to seven, Monday through Saturday. Um, They will buy a dental office and they will live in it. They won't have a home. They might not even have a car. And four years out of school, they've paid off their student loans their practice, and they've made the transition from, I'm gonna use other people's money where you give me a dollar and I'm gonna give you a dime every year, the rest of my life, to now I'm gonna put a dollar in the bank and it's gonna give me a nickel. So if you just take what you need to live on, so for, for if, if you need to live on, um, say um, say you need to live on $50,000 a year to for your breakeven. Well, you divide that by .05, You would have to have a million dollars in the bank paying 5% interest. But if you go back through history, the best hand to hold is whoever, whatever hand the government's holding. When the governments were holding gold and silver, owning gold and silver was the best hand. Well, all the governments, the the 20 largest democracies in the world, and I know, um, um, are about $40 trillion in debt. So they don't want to pay any interest, so they've kept interest rates near zero. So, so that's why if you want any savings, you got to go gamble it in the stock market and Bitcoin and all this crazy stuff. And and it all comes down to your own personal addiction to other people's money. And when you're young and you don't have any money. That's the time, that's the exact time in your life to just, okay, you don't have any money, you're living off this small amount, so let's get completely debt-free, and then let's have enough savings so that every dollar gives you a nickel, so now you're retired, and now your income starts going up, but you're always living you're always earning interest on your own money instead of always paying interest on other people's money and i'm afraid to say that if you were born in the united states of america and you're a doctor of dental surgery you're a dentist i mean 50 years old they will upgrade their house to a bigger house On a 30 year loan, I'm like, dude, 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 wait, wait, wait. (laughs) You're saying you're gonna keep working like this till you're eighty years old? And they're like, oh uh, uh." I mean, they just they just can't. I mean, you if you think heroin and cocaine and alcohol are addictive, other people's money is the most addictive deal. When I can get your dollar from you and I only gotta pay you a dime a year. Uh, you, it, it's a total addiction because now I can get a, a bigger house, go out to eat, nicer clothes, all this stuff, and it's going to come back to haunt you. So, And that's another reason of um, one of the best reasons of owning your house. Now, we know owning your house is not a better decision than renting because usually you can rent your house at 85% of the mortgage payment, okay? But that would be based on that you would save the other 15%, but you won't save anything. So what a house is, it's not a very good investment, but it is an awesome for savings account. And it's the same thing with dentists. When they go work for someone else, um, they're going to pay you enough just to kill off all your dreams of being an owner occupied and owning your own place. They're going to get you addicted to that paycheck. But the deal is, if you owned your own dental office, you're still going to spend all your money. You're still going to do all those crazy things, but you're building equity in your dental office. And a lot of times when dentists decide they got to retire at 65, they still got a 10-year mortgage on their house or still a five-year car payments on their cars, but they've built up a million dollars worth of equity in their dental office, they sell that and they're finally debt free and can live on savings. So the easiest dollar earned is a dollar in expenses saved. The second easiest dollar earned is a dollar in taxes delayed, but the hardest dollar you'll ever earn is doing a root canal on number two. That's a retreat with a broken file in it and um you know just just quit spending so much money and then there's another <laughs> problem with with dentists is this look at the difference i mean let let let's let, let's make this break it down by sex when you look at 5000 years of history women pretty women have always been able to marry up the social ladder. You don't see much evidence for this for hot men, uh, but women can marry above their social means, which means what? It means that the men would have to be marrying on average down their social means. And you look at all the males in dentistry they almost always marry someone who's marrying up. They're marrying a rich doctor. They're never going to work, and they're going to spend five, ten thousand dollars 10000 a month on shoes and purses and cars and all this crazy stuff. But look at the women dentist. The women dentists, they always marry an equivalent. They, they always marry a male dentist, doctor, lawyer, whatever. But every woman dentist I know, I would say 90% of them, are married to a man that makes the same amount of money as they do. And, and it's the opposite for the men. So, so men marry smart. I tell men that in dental school, the single smartest decision you'll ever make in dental school is marrying one of the girls in your class. You already got something in common. You both want to be a dentist. You must live near each other. You're in the same school. You're you from the same country, the same language, the same culture. I mean, to marry a woman dentist in the class, Look, here's two different people getting married. One man marries a woman who destroys $10,000 a capital a month, 120 a year from age 25 to 65, that's $5 million. The other woman earns $10,000 a year uh, or $10,000 a month for 40 years. That's five. That's a $10 million spread from just marrying a woman in your class that makes 10 grand a month as opposed to marrying some woman who who is attracted to you. I mean, how many dental dates have you seen where you're like, okay, that girl's completely out of your league. Why is she interested in you? Oh, because you're going to be a rich dentist, physician, lawyer. I mean, it, it, it. Your mom could tell you this. Your grandma will tell you. All your sisters will tell you. The only person who won't listen is that man who doesn't realize that he's going to pay basically five million dollars uh, for that uh, for whatever whatever he thinks he's looking at.
0: Exactly. Um, But going back again to your editorial and Dentistry Uncensored, that's the one thing I love about it because the type of conversation or the type you write, the the way you write your articles is pretty much how we would talk if we were eating lunch or or hanging out. That's the cool thing about it. But yeah, going to uh, dentistry and and the spending and living above their means. Yeah, I think uh, people are so caught up with the American dream and they really want to be what they see on the Instagram, on Instagram models and and all that stuff that they forget to realize that if you just wake up and you don't have to worry about paying any debt for the month, that's already a good life. And also, I want to follow up with with what you said, the smartest idea. Yeah. uh, Like if you are in a relationship, if you're dating or you married someone in your class, it's so easy to explain that. You know, you may get big money, but the hard work is there and and you would understand each other in that kind of sense that if you did it with someone who isn't in your field, they would pretty much think that you're holding off or or you're just trying to avoid uh, uh, buying stuff for her, you know what I mean?
1: And then let me tell you another huge marriage problem in dentistry that needs to be solved because it affects your staff too. And that is when I look at 5,000 years of history, the two main giveaway mis- obvious mistakes that no one can argue with is transparency and checks and balances. Um, when I don't know what you're doing, it's very likely it's not going to be good. Like when I was raising my four boys, if all of a sudden they each had their own room, but if they all ran into one room and shut the door, I knew something was going on and dad should go peek in the door. And usually it's a, you know, they got all the Oreo cookies and they went in there and they're going to eat them all. Um, it's the same thing. With your staff, your, your staff doesn't see the number. So your wife will ask like, well, how much do you get for a crown? And the doctor say a thousand dollars. Will you come home and say, well, how many crowns did you do today? And you say, I did five. So she's saying, wow, he just made $5,000. He doesn't know that. Yeah, you charge $1,000 for a crown, but 98.5% of the American dentists have signed up with these insurance PPO's that set their own fee, and maybe they only get $650 for the crown. They don't get to see the accounting that maybe the doctor has $500 of overhead into that crown, and they only netted $150, and dentists are just, um, their spouse never really sees the accounting, either does the rest of staff. So, Being transparent. Then the other thing is checks and balance. In business, we call that competition. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And when you don't allow your teammates... To see the data, to see everything you're looking at, and for their voices to be heard, to saying, doctor, I don't really think we need to buy a $135,000 machine. Uh, I, I don't think we do enough cases. I don't think it's it's a marketing deal. I, I don't think it's a good enough decision. And by the way, and and, and these transfer to everything, like take Bitcoin. Like, like like people say, well, Bitcoin's good. Okay, well, what's what's the first thing about it? Transparency. Do you know who owns Bitcoin? Nah, no, no. Uh, okay, so you're going to put all your money into faith Of some person that owns this, and it's probably going to be like North Korea, Russia, China, or a bunch of you know American criminals. I mean, so so you already violated checks and balances, uh, transparency. There's no checks and balances, and and when people talk about Bitcoin, how many digital currencies um, that started are already gone? How many digital currencies are already um, extinct? I'll I'll Google it. How many digital currencies? um, have, um, already, uh, gone away. Um, my gosh, um, uh, more than a thousand cryptocurrencies have already failed and you have no idea who owns Bitcoin and you can't get that through your head. And that's the same reason you're having marriage problems because you're not even transparent with your own accounting to your, to your spouse or your, your team or your office manager. Um, and checks and balances, that's another good thing about group practice. When I, whenever I find some of the sickest, and I'm, I mean sick as a disease, like alcoholism, drug addiction, depression, whenever I find the sickest dentists in the world, um, the ones that commit suicide, they usually come from solo practice. There is no checks and balance. When you're in a group practice and you come into work and you smell like booze, another dentist can say, Hey, Hey dude, Hey, Hey, come on, come on now. You're going back home. You're going to bed. There's but your dental assistant can't do that. She'll risk getting fired. Um, what is your hygiene supposed to do? Um, your wife's like, Oh my God, well he pays all the bills and we have three kids. Um, you know, so you need checks and balances. And that's why I think group practice is great. I think when, um, when your partner is doing a recall exam and he takes a bite wing and he sees that crown you did, uh, cemented a month ago has an open margin he can come back to and say hey sorry dude but i i just told this patient that you got to pop that crown off and redo it so now the the quality of your dentistry is higher uh someone's m- more likely to stand up to you and face down your demons um it's, it's like manny Pacquiao. He he doesn't want to fight me he doesn't want to fight me. He wants a competitive guy. He wants to fight Mike Tyson. He wants to fight. He wants to go after the top dog, and that's what the one thing I've always loved about Manny is he never turned down a fight. And a lot of these people that have um, perfect records of thirty and zero, I'm not really impressed with all the the line of people they fought. But Manny, that boy don't back down from any fight. He he's always going for it, and and I still think the hardest fight you'll ever be in in your entire life is yourself. It's a lot easier to go raise an army and kill a thousand other people on the other side of a border than it is to kill all your own fears and demons and, and bad thoughts and whatever. So, you know, conquer yourself. Um, Don't sit there and if you have low self-esteem, don't compensate, compensate with a big diamond ring and a Mercedes Benz and a big house and fancy jewelry just just find out why you have low self esteem you you don't need like my car my my lexus is 2004 with 180,000 miles on it i i don't need to i don't need to dump 100,000 into a new car yeah definitely and yeah, with
0: regards to that, that is also one thing if, if we could put like a boxer's record into dentistry. A lot of people are so worried about their records that they are so afraid to take on the tough challenges. And again, that is where you learn. That's where you become better is if you go to the tougher challenge, the tougher opponents. That's how you become a better uh, boxer, dentist, lawyer or, or whatever uh, uh, work you have. Now, uh, Howard, we are winding down because you've been very, very generous with your time. But um, with regards to that, you know, right now there are a lot of new dentists listening and probably they, they want to open their own dental clinic. What advice you could give to them in in terms of like how they would spend, if they have a fixed budget in this pandemic, what should they prioritize? What should they not prioritize? And how should they work on their dental clinic, opening a business at this
1: kind of uh,
0: situation?
1: Well, I, I think it's an excellent situation whenever, you know, you want to buy low and sell high. And when stocks are going really high, like right now, and Bitcoin's going high, everybody's piling into this stuff. And we all know how that story is going to end. Um, you don't buy high and then lose all your money. And right now, because of this pandemic, um, real estate, so many restaurants have gone out of business. Uh, everything's on sale. Um, you're not going to go out of business as a dentist. I mean, Manny Pacquiao could not. Uh, do what he's doing. If he was missing his two front teeth, um, dentistry has, has been here for 200 years. It's getting stronger every day. Invisalign. I would. I would try to go to become an owner operator. You got to be in control of your own destiny. And right now when uh, COVID-19 and that restaurant just went out of business because of social distancing, and you can apply the the, uh, lessons of retail, like getting in a visible location. If you're in a visible location and everybody can see you as they drive by in the car or walk by a busy neighborhood, well, then I'm not going to have to be marketing on Facebook and Instagram and direct mail. My advertising, like McDonald's, where does McDonald's always go. They always go where everybody already is. They already go to the most crowded places. When you're looking for a McDonald's, you don't have to go to Instagram and see where McDonald's, Ronald McDonald's last post was and see if he's near you. So I would become... I would try to make it your number one goal is to be in charge of your own destiny, to be an owner operator. Everything's on sale. You can get into retail space cheaper now than any time in the last 10 years and open up your dental office. And then just like Manny, you got to get out there and run for mayor. So instead of hiding behind uh smiley tooth family dentistry on the north side of Manila, no. Use your own damn name. Um, You know, get out there. And if you get out there and you keep running for mayor and when you get done with the root canal, um, look what happens when a dentist gets done with the root canal. He goes back to his private office and shuts the door. He doesn't even know that he ran 15 minutes late. The next patient's upset when Manny. I don't care if he wins or loses after the fight, after the root canal, he shows right up to the announcer. He's ready for a post interview. He'll probably be interviewed around the clock for the next two days. When you get done with the root canal, why don't you walk up front and why don't you sit there and, and greet the next patient in the waiting room? Then your staff can say, Oh, by the way, Howard, your next patient Palo, uh, he's pretty upset. He had a 10 o'clock appointment, man. And it's almost 1030. You're like, "Paulo, man, I'm so sorry. And you reach out, look him in the eye, shake their hand. You're running for mayor. I am so sorry. I, I, I was doing a root canal. I thought it'd take me an hour that thing was so infected and it was hard to get numb and I didn't want to hurt him. And I I kept giving him more anesthetic and let it soak in, but just keep running for mayor of your own dental town, your own dental office, be an owner operated, be in charge of your own destiny. Don't live your whole life taking orders. Um, When you could um, spend your whole life giving orders, um, be a leader uh, to people who want to work for you and follow you. So, Give up the fear. Um, Manny's lost some fights. He's taken some big fights and he's lost some. You're you know Try that root canal. Okay, some are going to fail. Try an implant. Some are going to fail. Um, the highest failure rate you'll ever do in implantology is out of your first 10 implants place. There's a lot of research on that. Your first 10 implants aren't very good, but I bet your last thousand implants will be really, really damn good. So just quit living in fear. Fear is not an option. And just like the vaccine. You know, people are afraid of the vaccine. A quarter of Americans, including my own 82-year-old mother, are afraid of that vaccine. And I just don't see the data for that. And I don't see the data for you going out of business when you're a doctor of dental surgery in Manila. I mean, in a country with a, over 110 million people. I mean, what, you think dentistry is going away? You you, you think you're going to go out of business? Dude, Go for it. Go for it 100%. And quit just walking around the swimming pool, dipping your toe in the water, talking about how five years from now you're going to learn how to swim or play the piano. No, dude, dive in that swimming pool. Head first. You're not going to drown. It may scare you the first year, but five years out of school, you built up your own dental office. You're an owner-operated. You're in charge of your destiny. And then from that moment on, if you can get off the first addictive drug that everybody's put onto um, is other people's money. As soon as you can get off that drug, I, I'd, I'd rather you'd be stuck on alcohol and get off other people. I'd rather you be a debt-free drunk um, than, than being 65 years old and still owe several hundred thousand dollars to other people for the use of their money. So, so it, it's really easy. Uh, just go for it. And by the way, I came out with a 30-day dental MBA back in the day, and it's all on YouTube. Uh, it's on iTunes. It's called Doctor Franz 30-Day Dental MBA. It's still downloaded a thousand times a month on uh, YouTube. Uh, but when I went to MBA school, I took I bought my first laptop. I took notes. It took me about 30 hours to read those notes back, so I made it 31 hour deals. Doctor Franz 30-Day Dental MBA. It's for free on YouTube. It's for free on iTunes, but Dude, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's not competitive. It's not like trying to be the heavyweight champion of the world. That is competitive, but trying to have a successful dental office that you own in Manila—that's extremely doable. <laughs> there it is. Oh, there, there you are. It's like you
0: didn't age a bit, Doctor Farron. Oh Man. my God, you're too kind.
1: Wow, that's so nice. And and yeah, I I just oh, want to. Son, uh, my, there's my baby. Oh. And Zach just uh, oh my god he was born in uh he, he just made up his first child little Evelyn little Evelyn's four months old I can't believe wow my oldest grandchild is 13 but uh time flies fast you don't have you don't have five to ten years to go working for someone else and living in fear uh, j- just go for it Exactly. And, and clearly you can see that you are
0: enjoying the moment uh, as it happens, being with your family. But yeah, going to what you said, I, I totally agree. I think one of the, the things that patients would love for their dentist is that their dentist would be very accountable to whatever treatment happens. If, if something go- is up, in terms of if you're late or or they need to schedule something they would appreciate it more if you are the one talking to them rather than uh, the assistant and also uh yeah you know you would really do better if you just start doing it like there is no perfect time because the more you wait because you are a perfectionist the more the the practice evolves and then there's going to be a new technology that you would have to figure out at that same time. So all you have to do is just do it, figure it out. And the cool thing about it is if, if you don't
1: know what's up, you could always check dental town and just search it up there. And you know that um, what you said also was transparency. I mean, um, you know, we talked about history just showed be transparent, not opaque and be competitive. That's why I like DSOs because DSOs, the things they do right, like they're open seven to seven, seven days a week. That makes me be more competitive with my group practice, expand my hours and transparency with your patient. I mean, I give them all my cell phone number. I mean, I did a root canal on you, but I can't give you my cell phone number. I exactly. mean, you, you give your cell phone number uh, to 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 all kinds of people but you're not going to give it to someone that you just did a root canal and pulled their teeth and when you call that patient that night and say hey i'm sitting down for dinner and i'm sitting there thinking Gosh, I'm gonna eat fine, but Palo, are are you able to eat? I mean, I, I I pulled two of your teeth and did a root canal. Are you okay? And he doesn't remember anything I did, but he remembers how I made him feel. And he thinks that's pretty damn cool that my dentist called him up and said, "Hey, Palo, this is Howard, your dentist. Are are you okay, man? Do you are you do you need anything?" And that really you make them feel the trust, the connection, the transparency. Just stay out there running for mayor, and you're gonna get all your dreams or will come true in dentistry. Exactly. Because at the end of the day,
0: being nice and kind is what people would remember. So it's how you treat them. And it's how your practice would evolve. And and the word of mouth would happen from your patient uh, as they tell their friends. Now, Howard, you've been very, very generous with your time. You only asked for like 40 minutes, but we extended. That's so cool of you. Um, before we let you go, is there anything you'd like to promote, like your
1: social media accounts or anything where they could find you? I wanna, I, I wanna promote. I don't know what to say. By the way, where did that name come from? I love the name. I don't know what to say. Where so, did it come from. So yeah, it's because I mean
0: it's me figuring out things. You know, a lot of people, especially in the world, they want to be like a know-it-all. But at the end of the day. There are some stuff you don't know. And if you want to know it, then talk to the expert, like what I'm doing right now with you, because you have a lot of knowledge that you could share to
1: all of our audience and listeners. And and I, I did write um, when I turned 50, I my uh, first granddaughter was born and um my gosh um i thought to myself um i'm going to sit down because my my two grandfathers died at age 61 so did my father and i thought you know when um when um this young taylor murray grows up i might not be around so i sat down and i was gonna write her everything i learned after my first half century i thought i'm a doctor a dentist i got an mba i'm a millionaire uh, i've lived half a century on Earth. And I wrote that, and um, and it was called um, Uncomplicate Business, and because I didn't know if she was going to be a dentist, I didn't know if she'd own a restaurant, I, I didn't know what career she's going to go into. Uh, but that book's on Amazon, uh, Uncomplicate Business, um, and the ebook is it's only like a couple dollars or something. But um, I, 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 I. I succinctly captured my first half century on earth in that book. And what's so neat about it is my, my tool sisters are Catholic nuns. And um, oh, there, cool. was a, there was a uh, priest that was struggling uh, in Fort Scott, Kansas um, with his parish. Cause he went to the, the, the priesthood for eight years. and The next thing you know, he's in charge of a church, a school, they got a budget, their deficit. But anyway, um, I, uh, he said it was the best business book he'd ever learned in eight years of the seminar. And it's like dentistry. It doesn't matter what business you're into. It's all going to come down to people, time, and money. And if you get an A on people and time and a C on money, uh, you're going to be a millionaire. You're going to be successful. But if you get a C on people and a C on your time, uh, you're going to get an F on money and you're going to be struggling. And just focus on the people, time, and money. That book's on Amazon, the 30-Day Dental MBA. It's free on Dental Town. You can download that on your app. It's on YouTube, iTunes, whatever. But I just want to transfer all the knowledge I have. Dentistry has been so great to me. I think all the older dentists uh, should make it a, a, um, a concerted effort to transfer as much knowledge they have to their replacements. When you leave dentistry, you should leave the new kids coming onto the block. And I'm so impressed at the caliber of the kids in dental school. I'm just, I'm just honored that these are the kids that followed um, our generation the dentistry. They're, they're just amazing people. Exactly, like they are so open to learning
0: and new technology. And yeah, with your book, for everyone listening right now and would love the audio format, it's also available in Audible. So you could hear, uh, I could see it's narrated by uh, you, Dr. Uh, Howard, so they would hear your voice as you read them, their uh, bedtime story uh, of your book.
1: There you go. Uh, I don't know what to say. It was just a huge honor, Paolo, that of all the 2 million dentists on earth, you asked me to be on your first podcast. I'll never forget that. That was a very special day for me today. Hey,
0: it's it's a more special day for me. I've always wanted to talk to you, and I always wanted to find a way to talk to you and that I could share with my friends, and I thought about this. So, please, for everyone who wants more of Dr. Howard Farron, listen to Dentistry Uncensored. And thank you so much for your time. I'm Paolo Gonzalez, and this is IDK What to Say. Oh, look at that. You've until the end of the show. Like, Don't forget to subscribe. To all our social media accounts Also don't forget to share it With your friends And like comment down below If you have thoughts regarding it I'd love to read it